This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Well, more details about a school choice plan being offered from the governor's office were revealed during the State of the State speech that occurred this past Tuesday. In fact, the bill was filed within the Alabama legislature by two state lawmakers on the very same day that Governor Ivey revealed the CHOOSE Act. The CHOOSE Act stands for Creating Hope and Opportunity for Our Students' Education. The CHOOSE Act will create an education savings account for families, which will provide an income tax credit of up to $7,000 for those who enroll their students in an accredited private or public school. Homeschooling students would be credited $2,000 per student with a cap of $4,000 with more than one homeschool child. This program will first be offered in the 2025 school year if it's passed into law this year. Families who are eligible for the tax credit cannot have an income level that is over 300% of the federal poverty level. In the third year of this program, any Alabama family, regardless of their income, will be able to join. These education savings accounts will be capped at $100 million a year. So far, the Choose Act is getting support from Senate President Pro Tem Greg Reed as well as House Speaker Nathaniel Ledbetter. There are, however, at least two other school choice bills that have been filed by other state lawmakers for this upcoming legislative session. This week, the Alabama Supreme Court listened to oral arguments in a case involving the United Methodist denomination and Harvest Church out of Dothan. Harvest Church filed a lawsuit against the UMC regarding the retention of property after Harvest Church decided to disaffiliate back in 2022 from the UMC. Attorneys for the UMC argued that Harvest Church cannot just sever ties and relationships and ignore the property agreements that were established when they were within the denomination. And Harvest Church attorneys say that there was never any property rights established within the UMC and certainly no specific trust clause created. Harvest Church decided to disaffiliate affiliate from the UMC, saying that it's breaking its own bylaws and moving in opposition to the Bible. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall is weighing in on the library controversy after being asked to do so by the Alabama Public Library Service. The APLS sought the AG's opinion after Alabama residents were calling for the removal of library board members due to their refusal to remove obscene or sexually explicit books from the children's section of public libraries. Marshall was asked about appropriate and legal avenues that can be taken by the APLS to address the situation. Marshall has concluded that the APLS cannot directly mandate a public library to follow certain guidelines when it comes to age-inappropriate books, but it certainly can make any future funding conditional upon the library's compliance with those APLS requirements and guidelines. Marshall also determined that there is no state regulation requiring a public library to be a member of the American Library Association. The APLS recently pulled its membership from that national group. And when it comes to the APLS, Governor Ivey has appointed two new people to sit on the board of the Alabama Public Library Service after two vacancies opened up at the end of 2023. Ivy says that the two women she chose for the position will be making important decisions that directly affect the citizens of this state. 
Ivy charged the two appointees to attend all meetings within reason and be a good steward of taxpayer money. The appointees are Deborah Windsor and Amy Minton. Minton is an officer within the Etowah County Republican Party and has been a longstanding critic of sexually explicit books being placed in children and teens sections of the public libraries in the state of Alabama. Minton told 1819 News that she's not in favor of banning books, and as long as a book is available to order online or to purchase at a store, they're not being banned. Minton says that not putting certain age-inappropriate books on library shelves is not a form of banning. Here's part three of a conversation that I had with the president of the Alabama Policy Institute, Stephanie Holden-Smith, about the push from our state lawmakers and governor for a gambling bill to be passed that regulates casinos, a lottery, and online sports betting here in the state. So they're also trying to expand the number of facilities, brick-and-mortar facilities, that are legal in the state. The only ones that are really legal in the state right now are the Porch Creek Indian facilities because they're under federal law instead of state law. But they're trying to expand that to, I've heard, six, seven, or ten locations, um, brick-and-mortar locations. But you're exactly right. With the addition of sports betting into the legislation, it doesn't really matter um, if those areas are, quote, restricted to certain counties or cities because there will be gambling in everyone's car, in everyone's bedroom, and in everyone's living room on, on smartphones, devices, and computers. Right. And it just seems like even these special interests that want to uh, expand into different counties would be saying, whoa, wait, don't you're basically undercutting us by throwing in this this extra sports betting on a phone leg of this legislation. And it it just seems it seems very contradictory. Well, and I haven't seen the bill's language. I did hear a rumor that it was going to be dropped today, Um, but I have not seen it as of yet. Um, but depending on the language, the way that they handled that in the past was that only those who were licensed by the state would be able to hold the sports betting license as well. So even, so there, for instance, if there were 10 locations, uh, brick and mortar locations statewide, all of the sports betting licenses would have to go through those brick and mortar locations. So the monopoly will have been chosen by the legislative process. Gotcha. Okay. There, that's an important thing to know that that's how they're helping everybody out with that's trying to get a facility or a brick and mortar brought in. That's right. They would be funneling any digital or sports betting through those 10 locations only. Okay. So that, that, that's how they have that, that support is not undercutting them. It's actually funneling that monopoly system for a new type of gaming into, into those brick and mortar facilities. Yes. And it's, it's not just a new type, but it's an expansive one, a pervasive one that hits every home, every pocket. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, today, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in the case involving Donald Trump being removed from the primary ballot in the states of Colorado and Maine. The removal of Trump is based on claims that he is an insurrectionist based on the happenings of January 6th. 2021. This labeling of Trump as an insurrectionist is based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which was implemented after the Civil War to prohibit those who aided the Confederacy during the Civil War from taking a leadership role within the new federal government. Trump was impeached by the Democrat-controlled House for these same charges, but the Senate did not convict him. 
Senate Republicans voted on Wednesday to not advance the border security deal, which allocates most of the $118 billion to countries outside of the U.S., like Ukraine, Israel, and others. It also sends a mere $20 billion to the border in order to stop the invasion going on there. The motion failed to advance, but not without some Republicans, in name only, joining Democrats in voting to proceed with this deal. Those senators were Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, James Langford of Oklahoma, and Mitt Romney of Utah. Speaking of Ukraine, the House Oversight Committee has launched an investigation into U.S. taxpayer money that has already been sent over to that country to assist Ukraine in its conflict with Russia militarily. The investigation comes after the Department of Defense Inspector General revealed that 60% of the defense weapons and equipment remain unaccounted for since June of 2023. The Oversight Committee sent a letter to the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin demanding his cooperation in providing answers to this lack of accountability within the military. While we're on the topic of the Defense Secretary, Lloyd Austin will be testifying before the House Armed Services Committee on February 29th about his failure to notify anybody about his hospitalization at the start of 2024. Austin's absence from the U.S. Pentagon came at a time when U.S. military forces were very active in the Middle East and the Red Sea off the coast of Yemen. Five days after his hospitalization, Austin finally decided to let Joe Biden, members of Congress, and the American public know that he had been incapacitated due to complications from prostate cancer. There has been some developments in the second Washington, D.C. case against Donald Trump that involves his handling of classified documents after he left the White House. D.C. Judge Eileen Cannon made a decision against Special Counsel Jack Smith, who's bringing the charges against Trump. In that decision, Cannon told Smith that discovery material that he wanted kept under seal will be publicly disclosed. Cannon said there is a strong presumption of public access to these documents within a criminal proceeding. Smith wanted certain information regarding the identities of potential witnesses to be kept under wraps. However, Judge Cannon determined that Smith did not provide enough facts that made witness safety outweigh the need for disclosure. While we're talking about courtrooms and trials, actor Jussie Smollett is back in the news. Remember him, the hate crime hoax instigator? Smollett is appealing his case to the Illinois Supreme Court. He's asking that court to weigh in on his conviction for filing a false police report. Smollett made wild claims of being attacked by two white racists wearing MAGA hats in downtown Chicago at 2 a.m. in the morning in the middle of a January winter in Chicago. These so-called racists also somehow knew that Smollett was also gay, so they made homophobic slurs against him, wrapped a noose around his neck that they apparently just happened to have in their back pockets, and poured bleach on him, which they also had in the other back pocket. This was all done while Smollett suddenly had a hankering to go to a Subway sandwich shop at 2 a.m. in the morning. After police investigation, two Nigerian brothers who were workout partners with Smollett confessed to being paid by him to play the part of these MAGA racists. The American First Legal Foundation has filed a major lawsuit against Maricopa County and Arizona election officials for violating their own state laws. The AFL is representing plaintiffs Eric Loveless and Strong Communities Foundation of Arizona. The lawsuit alleges that in 2022, the Maricopa County election officials refused to maintain the mandatory chain of custody with ballots by way of tracking and reconciling ballots that were cast by the voters. The AFL also cited malfunctions within the ballot counting machines, which rendered some ballots unreadable and unacceptable to the machine, and the county's use of AI, artificial intelligence, to verify mail-in ballot signatures when the state law requires human verification. 
The lawsuit claims that this put in question about 25,000 ballots, more than the margin of victory in the governor's race, which was between Republican Carrie Lake and Democrat Katie Hobbs. Well, there is a rebellion occurring beneath the surface of the Republican Party in the U.S. Senate. And the person in the crosshairs is Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, who worked up close and personal with Democrat Chuck Schumer in this latest debacle of a border security deal. Senate Republicans responded quickly and decisively with white-hot outrage at the border deal when it first became public. And within 24 hours, McConnell was backing down from his position of pushing that bill. Senate Republicans held a press conference following that in which Ted Cruz called on McConnell to step down from his leadership position in light of the disastrous negotiations from McConnell and Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. The two basically gave Senate Democrats everything they wanted in this deal and capitulated so much to them that it would be impossible for McConnell to lead the party forward with any negotiating power or leverage. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul admitted as much while he talked with Laura Ingram on Fox News. He's completely out of touch with Kentucky Republicans with conservative Republicans advocating for all this money to go to Ukraine. We're not for that. That, I mean, nobody in Kentucky is for that. His approval ratings in Kentucky are almost below zero. They are the lowest of any elected official in the United States. He is working with Biden and Schumer to funnel your money to Ukraine, but he's not working with conservatives. So he is in the minority of his caucus. There's maybe 10 of them that will vote with all of the Democrats. Oh, you're just he, is using, he is using the minority of the big government Republicans up here to work with Democrats to send your money to Ukraine. And the rumors are confirmed that Tucker Carlson, formerly of Fox News, spent time in Moscow, Russia, and had an interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The video of that interview gets released tonight on Carlson's website, as well as his ex-platform account. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. If you are enjoying The Daily Detail and want to make sure that these reports come up easily on your smartphone, then be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcasting app you are using. It's usually on the main page of The Daily Detail. That could be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or some other app. And also be sure to visit 1819 News for more reliable, up-to-date information on what's going on around here in Alabama. You can also join 1819 News by becoming a member, which will get you exclusive content as well as 1819 merchandise. You can visit 1819news.com backslash membership to learn more. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values.